The Small Business Rundown is the official podcast of the National Federation of Independent Business, the member-driven voice of small business. NFIB and our members advocate to keep America's small businesses strong and independent in Washington, D.C., all 50 states, and the nation's courts. And so I just, you know, essentially delivered the perspective from a business owner on what happens when a business is attacked Mm -hmm. by frivolous lawsuits. And that's exactly what it is. It's predatory. It's frivolous, but it's also predatory legislation. And it is, um, you know, it takes no prisoners. Welcome to the Small Business Rundown, your place for information on independent businesses' victories and challenges in Washington, D.C. and state capitals. I'm Adam Temple, NFIB Senior Vice President of Advocacy. On today's episode, we'll talk to NFIB's Florida Executive Director, Bill Hurley, small business owner, Michelle Smith, and Vice President of NFIB State Government Relations, Tim Goodrich. We'll talk to him about lawsuit abuse, what it is, how it affects Main Street, and what states like Florida and others are doing to put laws in place that would stop such abuse. Tim, Bill, Michelle, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Good to be here. So, Bill, you're in Florida, you work in Tallahassee, but you meet with small business owners across the state, and you've been very involved in this issue of lawsuit abuse in the state. Uh, Before we dive into that, can you just tell us a little bit more about your role and what you do to advocate for small businesses in Florida? Yeah, I advocate for the NFIB out of Tallahassee, Florida, Florida's state capital, and we're right across the street from the state capital, so we spend plenty of time across the street, in the state capitol, lobbying legislators. But our best investment is when I get out across the state, and it's a big state, traveling, visiting with members and hearing from them. But the big message comes from small businesses in the form of our membership ballot. And we've seen for years members calling for lawsuit abuse reform. And we've had successes here and there over the years, but a lot of things had to line up for us to have the big year that we had in 2023. Right. And, and you, you answered my next question of why lawsuit abuse, but why, why this year? Why was 2023 the year that, that this finally got across the finish line? Yeah, a lot of things had to come together. Uh, it, a lot of years of persistence in members calling for lawsuit abuse reform. Uh, but Florida is a very leader-driven legislature, and we turn over our legislative leaders every two years. And so for many years, the opponents have been very successful putting lawsuit abuse reform opponents in those leadership positions. We finally got the two right leaders in the form of Senate President Kathleen Pasadoma and House Speaker Paul Renner. Uh, But most importantly, we had Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, who really stepped up to the plate and called for tort reform, really changed the whole dynamic. And thank goodness our members were ready to go and our members were super engaged in this event this year. So re- reform was the solution. What? Tell me a little bit more about the impetus. What was the problem in Florida that required this lawsuit abuse reform? You know, Florida has so many great things going for it, our, our wonderful beaches, our palm trees, our sunsets. But I'm sure for many people who come to Florida to vacation, they notice one other thing, and that's as they're driving to the beach, they see an awful lot of billboards advertising, you don't pay if we don't win. Uh, so-and-so just got me a million-dollar check. Uh, Attorney advertising in Florida, 
far outstrips any other state. There's more attorney advertising in Florida than there is in California and New York combined. So they have a very strong hold on our state, and it very much affects the small business owner every day, not just that dark cloud hanging over their head that they might face a lawsuit on any given day, but daily increasing prices for their general liability insurance, for their commercial property insurance, and it affects them in their their home life too. Well, can you give me kind of a play-by-play of the bill, how it came to be, and NFIB's involvement in successfully passing it? We went from being a judicial hellhole to uh, a glimmer of hope, as defined by the American Tort Reform Association, in one big leap with a one bill that does a couple major things. Rather than go into the details of the bill, because you can find all that on our website, some of the more interesting things and the behind the scenes stories, how we got it done. And I'll tell you, we did it with members like Michelle, who's with us today, and a lot of other members stepping up to the plate. We had members travel to Tallahassee to testify before legislative committees. We had members tape testimonial videos to the Florida House of Representatives that were seen by every representative. And we had literally thousands of members engaged in record numbers that we haven't seen in a long time on the issue responding to NFIB alerts that we're very judicious about sending it out just the right time so we're not wasting the small business owner's time and we're not sending them into the ether. We deploy our members at exactly the right moment, right before those critical committee votes and House floor votes are happening. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very gratifying to see the kind of response we had from small business owners this year. Yeah, yeah. And, and what better way to le- learn about the member's perspective than from a member themselves? And we've got Michelle Smith with us today. Before we get into the details of the landmark legislation that Bill's mm-hmm. talking about, can you just tell us a little bit about your business? I've owned a, a call center uh, for the last 19 years, and we specialize in the healthcare industry and specifically in the hearing aid industry. We act as a, a, an arm of hearing aid centers all over the country. We have contracts with the major manufacturers. So we're not a small concern, but we have always been part of that small engine of, you know, the, the community, the, um, the private sector. We've always been part of that, that engine that contributes to, to the community. I do want to say one other thing to add to what Bill said. The other thing that for me as a business owner that NFIB did for me was it gave me direct access to the legislators. So in addition to being very skillful in putting those uh, meetings with committees and conversations together, for me personally, the biggest advantage that I got out of that was was having direct conversations with not only legislators, but with the governor, where we were able to say, look, um, you know, business owners, we're looking for tort reform, and we're looking for your help on that. When you're looking someone face-to-face and and in the eye, he knows that you're going to vote for him or you're not going to vote for him, <laughs> and that you will be talking to your friends about that as well because you've gone to the trouble to come to this meeting to meet with him directly. So the influence, the respect that NFIB has in, in the marketplace uh, and the respect that the legislators have for NFIB has allowed us to have some pretty meaningful conversations. I can remember one with the governor in particular where, you know, we were just shaking hands. And I said, before I leave this meeting, I want you to to hear me say I'm looking for tort reform. And his reply was, well, I think you may have the Senate, but you've got to work some, you've got to do some work on the House. And I said, okay, um, we'll do our part, will you? And, and, And so these are the kind of meaningful conversations that result 
later in what we've seen happen this last year, which has just been a godsend for, for, biz, for private business. And before we get into why that is a godsend, you testified at a House hearing. What in was front that of like? the Judiciary Committee, I did. But I also participated, uh, honored to have participated in a press conference with the governor when he announced he was going to support this and push for this to make it happen. And so I just, you know, essentially delivered the perspective from a business owner on what happens when a business is attacked mm-hmm. by frivolous lawsuits. And that's exactly what it is. It's predatory. It's frivolous, but it's also predatory. And it is, um, you know, it takes no prisoners. And what moved you specifically to get engaged on this bill? You, you know, what it what specifically caused me to get engaged is that I suffered from that form of frivolous lawsuit myself with my own business. Mm. And, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones, but there are so many that just uh, can't make it through that. People that, that have opened their own business, you know, they are people that have a dream and they've taken this leap of faith to fulfill that dream. Mm-hmm. And it leaves very little left over for people that are looking to take your money as opposed to um, earn the right to do business with you. You know, we private business owners are out there to provide revenue for their clients, but it can't be taken on the back end from them as well with lawyers that don't have good intentions. And that's that's what was happening with the frivolous lawsuits uh, and this predatory behavior that, frankly, I believe they were training in the marketplace. You, you know, you have these ads that are up on billboards and you literally teach clients that want to steal from you how to do it. And that's what they do. They come looking for a business that looks like it's well-appointed, they've done well. You know what? They're ripe. They're a ripe target because they probably have just enough that if you can find some way to take it from them, it just it, it becomes its own industry, if you will. Right, right. And, and another thing that uh, is a scarcity for business owners mm-hmm. is time. Yes. So what would you say to small business owners that, whether it's on this issue or another mm-hmm. one, but that may be on the fence about whether or not to engage in their local community or the state legislature or even in Congress. What's your advice to those folks? Well, my advice is, number one, prepare yourself as a business owner. Understand as well as you can what the challenges are, what the obstacles are, in addition to what the opportunities are. And and I will tell you, an organization like NFIB is just very well suited to do that. Here, Here are the things that they do for the business owner. They provide as I said, one-on-one meetings with legislators. They bring legislators to a marketplace and have them present. They have these legislators give legislative updates. They allow the folks that are members of NFIB actually engage with them one-on-one, but challenge them with real-life questions. You know, these are not warm and fuzzy conversations. These are conversations that are meaningful to the business owner, regardless of what industry they're in. I would encourage you to take advantage. You know, so many people are guilty of not reading. They take a look at an email, their time is important, so they scan through it, and they miss some really wonderful nuggets in there. One of the things that NFIB does is when they give you updates on legislation or updates on how how legislation is moving, they include links to every single legislator that's in your district or in your area. And you know what? You have the ability to contact them Uh, I was at a dinner one evening. This is a real-life experience. I was at a dinner at a senator's one evening and had to go back to the office because I was a private business owner, still had work to do. And so I'm, you know, after the dinner meeting, I'm at 8 o'clock in my office. I receive an email from NFIB 
and it was about this very thing. It had a link to my legislators. I'm sitting there in my office at 8.30. I'm writing every single one of them an email because NFIB made it easy. I'm not the little guy out there that says, well, you know, how am I going to do this? Uh, you know, what's one little voice going to matter? And, and how do I even find their information to contact them anyway? NFIB does all of the work for you. All you have to do is be involved. And all of those, it's not one voice now, it's thousands. And those legislators listen to that voice. They read those emails because the next time I saw that senator, he commented, oh, by the way, I saw your email. So, That's tremendous, yeah. So it, it's it, you have to get involved. If you have this dream, you're going to take this leap of faith. You need to invest in your future. And the way that you do that is to be well-informed. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, before we move on to the national landscape, Bill or Michelle, do you have anything else that you want to add that maybe we failed to go over? Let's just talk about three things the bill does real quickly. Uh, It it moves us to a system of comparative fault where if a plaintiff is found to be more than 50 percent at fault, uh, there's no award. All right. So that puts us back in the norm with many other states. Uh, it wasn't an extreme measure by, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's going to make a really huge difference in Florida. The second major element of the package is truth and damages for medical claims. This gets right to the classic what people think of as the ambulance chasers, but this breaks down the collusion between bad trial lawyers and bad docs where bad docs will work a a behind-the-scenes agreement, literally a written agreement, Mm -hmm. to grossly inflate the medical charges. And none of the typical charges that uh, an injury costs in that community at that local hospital is ever presented to the jury. Now all that information will come forward to the jury and we'll get much more reasonable medical charges. And then, of course, the third element is we reformed the bad faith laws in Florida, which were grossly abused in Florida, which breaks down the simple model of insurance. It, It put insurance companies in a position where they can be forced to pay for claims far in excess of the policy limits. So if you were insured as a business owner for a million dollars, well, your insurer might get caught paying $5 million. Well, we depend on that industry being there, and that's not a sustainable business model. So we got in there and reformed the bad faith laws. And I think in one fell swoop, that made Florida far above the median in steps that can be taken to make the economy business-friendly, and it's a, quite an accomplishment for Florida because, you know, we're awfully proud of all the things that are going so right in our state. Mm-hmm. It was always embarrassing to see us at the bottom of the heap in tort reform. And thanks to a lot of dynamics coming together, as I said, legislative leadership and the governor's leadership. Governor DeSantis, I don't, Michelle didn't mention, but uh, that, that happened to be on Valentine's Day that the governor <laughs> gave a, a real gift to the, uh, to the small business community by announcing that he was going to come out for tour for him. Made all the difference, and he stayed engaged. We know for a fact that he was calling senators down to the governor's office the day of the vote, getting those last few votes to, to push this thing across the finish line. Well, that, that's outstanding. I, I would say congratulations to you, Bill. But really, Michelle, it's the small business owners that we should be congratulating for this new bill that we have. And we thank you for your efforts on behalf of NFIB, but also small business owners and for your time to sit in with us today. I know you're in Washington for a fly-in, so you'll be talking to federal legislators. Equally important. So we really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. Thank it's you. absolutely too. my pleasure. Now we've got Tim Goodrich, NFIB's Vice President of State Government Relations. Tim, tell us a little bit about what you do here at NFIB. 
Well, Adam, I'm the vice president of state government relations, and uh, I manage our state program. And that means basically there's 49 other Bill Hurleys in our department. Uh, there's only one Bill Hurley. <laughs> there is only one Bill Hurley. <laughs> but, you know, one of the great things about NFIB membership is your membership provides you advocacy in Washington, D.C., but also in your state capital. We're the only business organization that provides that representation with one membership in Washington, D.C., and all 50 states. Right. And from a macro perspective, we've dialed in on Florida a little bit today. Mm -hmm. um, just put some context around that for the national situation. What, how is the, we call it tort reform or lawsuit reform abuse? Just give us a little bit more information on what's happening around the country. Sure. Well, I don't want to give a whole lot of facts, but I'm going to give some economic data real quick that I think put it in perspective. The Perryman Group in 2021 put a study together and basically said that the cost of the tort system in the U.S. is $285 billion, roughly. $285 billion wow. with a B. And that comes out to a tort tax of about $1,300 per person, per taxpayer. So we're talking about real dollars here. This isn't just a nuisance that we're talking about. These are, these are real dollars. And as, as far as Florida, it definitely was uh, the bright spot this year, and uh, hopefully we'll have another bright spot before the year is, is over. But, yeah, it's like the, the story of the little Dutch boy he puts the finger in the hole of the dam, and he plugs one hole, and then the water comes out of another hole. In this case with, with Florida, you know, Bill shared with me that as soon as this bill passed, several law firms in Florida either laid off their staff, these are attorneys they're laying off, in the hundreds and or sent them up to Atlanta, Georgia, where they have a more favorable lawsuit abuse uh, situation. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, Bill mentioned earlier the American Tort Reform Association, and they have this hellhole report that they put together, which basically says, where are the real problems around the country as far as lawsuit abuse for businesses? And Georgia was ranked number one. Hmm. Did they displace Florida? For that position, Florida, I think, was number three in the last one I saw, but we expect it to go down, obviously, yeah, <laughs> where it should come out of the top 10, I would think. What other states are dealing with this issue? Well, you know, everybody's really dealing with it, but as far as, you know, whether or not they're going to take something and run with it one way or the other comes down to, you know, is there sufficient backing from the trial lawyers in the case of a, a state like Michigan? Several years ago, kind of dating myself, but I was a, a staffer in the Michigan legislature and was on the committee where we passed the first major product liability reform in the country. And, you know, that's something I've, as a former staffer, always been proud to have been a part of. Unfortunately, now the trial lawyers have backed several candidates and have a situation where our state director, Amanda Fisher, is on the defense now. And those reforms, which have proven to be successful, and very helpful to business over the course of 20-some years are now under threat of repeal. All right. Are there any trends that you're seeing throughout the country on the issue of specific strategies? Or Michelle mentioned earlier how they sort of choose the businesses that they go after. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Michelle is spot on uh, with that. Uh, we see this particularly with things like the American Disabilities Act, um, where they will look for opportunities. Uh, they will hire people that will go around, as Michelle said, and look for businesses that they think have deep pockets and they can get some money. And these individuals may not even be in the process of doing business, like Michelle was saying. So 
uh, you go around and you say, okay, you're, uh, you don't have uh, adequate uh, handicap parking. Um, this person was never going to go park at that business, but they drove by and saw that uh, there wasn't adequate handicap parking. And instead of giving the business owner an opportunity to say, hey, that was unintentional, we will rectify it, they just go right into court and sue them. Okay, and, and let me say this. You know, we're not talking about all of the attorneys out there. Ninety percent of them do a great job. They're good stewards of their responsibilities. They serve their clients well. However, the other 10 percent are the problem. And in saying that, let's not forget that some of these quote-unquote facts are also manufactured. So let's not forget that either. That's also been a – has been a part of this uh, frivolous lawsuit industry. That's a great point. Yeah, that's ab- absolutely correct. And, you know, we're not out there making the argument that people shouldn't have the opportunity to have their day in court. What we're saying is there needs to be some reasonable caps and fairness in the system. And as in the case of Florida, there was it was tilted heavily in, in favor of the trial lawyers. You asked about some states and, you know, Iowa just passed uh, some non-economic caps for trucking industry, $5 million. The cap is $5 million. Mm-hmm. That, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're not saying people shouldn't have a right to sue, but we're saying, you know, you shouldn't be able to put bankrupt a business in the process. Yeah. What I'd like to leave on is, is just uh, we need more Michelles out there, especially with tort reform. Their stories are the most important. Nobody around this table is an attorney, by the way. And we're going up against attorneys that mislead the legislature. They will bring in testifiers. Uh, In the case of Florida, Bill shared with me, you know, they brought in a bunch of uh, motorcyclists and said, uh, had them so upset because they said, if this passes, you're going to have to wear a a motorcycle helmet. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. It had nothing to do with that. But this is the type of techniques that they use to try to stir up sentiment to their side. And the biggest Thing that we have to kind of counteract that are member stories, small business owners telling their stories and how this is impacting their business. Yeah, it gives our argument the benefit of being true, which is always helpful when any of these exactly. Kind of well, I, I'd like to leave the uh, the conversation by saying that this tort reform does one magnificent thing, and that is that it gives the business owner in Florida a fighting chance. I think that's a great place to end. Thank you, Bill, Michelle, Tim. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. For those interested in learning more about NFIB's campaign for lawsuit abuse reform in Florida, you can go to nfib.com slash stop Florida lawsuit abuse. And now I want to thank you, the listeners, for joining us on today's Small Business Rundown. We'll be back every two weeks bringing you news and analysis from Washington, D.C. and state capitals so that you, whether you're a small business owner or a supporter of one, can continue to blaze a trail. The Small Business Rundown is brought to you by NFIB, the voice of small business. You can find us at NFIB.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.